interrupt your program to bring you this important podcast. How to 911. Can you <laughs> can you put me out of service on a podcast, please? Welcome back. Uh, so glad that you guys came back. I'm Sammy. I'm Erica. Perfect. And today we're going to talk about, um, like we discussed in the last episode, if you watched it, empathy fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it's not a fun topic to talk about, but it needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And we're going to, guess what? We're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And um, Erica has a lot of knowledge about it. She's She said a lot of empathy fatigue. <laughs> I didn't know what a good way to put that. You're saying. like, it's true. <laughs> She's had a little, yeah. She's done a lot of trainings. Yes. A lot of trainings, a lot of, uh, some more life experience. Yeah. Some more dispatch experience. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to let her take it. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me today. <laughs> You're our first guest. <laughs> Not actually. I actually, mean, you were. I guess, yeah. We did this together from I, the beginning. I told you I'm your... Your sidekick, yeah. but you you insist on me being a co-host. You are I don't know why. Uh, I appreciate like, it. Never mind. We're not going into this debate right now. <laughs> Anyways, why, I'm shut up. why do we do this when it's recording? It's it's so much fun. So okay, so empathy fatigue. I'm gonna get into what that is and why I choose to use empathy fatigue versus compassion fatigue, which is something that um, I mean I've been to classes on compassion fatigue, so. Uh, we'll discuss why I like empathy fatigue over that in a little bit. Talking about our job first, only 2% of the population can do this job if they want it. And that Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> I already have a question. <laughs> you save them all to the end. You can email us or submit them on our Instagram page. No, go for it. Um. Does that mean only two percent of the population can do this job because of the like ex- extensive background check, or like just mentally and physically, only two percent of the population can handle this job? Two percent of the population can physically do this job. I don't think it's necessarily mentally, okay, but okay. it's the multitasking, it's the talking on the phone, it's the listening to the radio, it's typing while you're listening, um, things like that. Okay. So the skill sets. Yeah. There you go. I didn't know that. That mm-hmm. makes me feel really good. Yeah, you should. So, and then the two percent is if they want it. So you might have the skill set, mm-hmm. but you might not be mentally prepared I to see. do this job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we've had people who have gotten through training and it doesn't fit their home life after all. Um, they get a lot of anxiety of dealing with what we have to deal with. So if you want to do it, um, you're 2% of the population that's able to do it. Uh, so what got me to really understanding compassion fatigue, empathy fatigue was a really crappy call, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, I'm not going to go into it because I don't think that's our focus. Yeah. Um, we can have an episode on crappy calls another time. I, but we're I not. Really don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, anyway. We're not. Yeah, that's not our focus. But my crappy call involved a family member finding another family member deceased and it hearing what I heard and not being able to help in the way that I thought that I could at the time I didn't know that the the family member was beyond any help at the time but um thinking about it now I can see 
how it affected me versus in the moment it was just complete overwhelm. Um, but it left me with PTSD. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember handling that call, thinking I'd be okay, and then stepping away to cry for a little bit, coming back again, thinking I'd be okay, and getting upset at the callers that were still calling on 911 who had legitimate health issues, crises themselves, uh, and being upset with them that they were calling me after I just went through this. So um, I guess like anyone who went through a loss of a, a family member, like how can the world go on around me when this is happening to me right now? So luckily we have a peer support program here. Um, they helped me through it a little bit, but it was um, something I had never dealt with in that way before. So I got help from our um, on-staff psychologist and she diagnosed me or maybe not diagnosed, just assume, eh, whatever we did, I can't remember, um, mild PTSD. And we went through EMDR a couple of um, times and helped me tremendously. Um, during this, she suggested another class, which I'll talk about in a little bit, and that has helped me tremendously too. Um, so that's how I started learning about this. Um, I think that mental health in 911 has really grown and become a topic of discussion in the 13 years that I've been doing it. And so I really hope that it benefits people like you who have been doing it for just a couple of years um, to really open our eyes and, you know, the stigma of talking about mental health is less than when I right. started. Yeah. Um, so the... <laughs> Getting through all of this, um, I had previous to this incident, I had been to a compassion fatigue class, and it talks about eating well, sleeping well, um, things like that, things that you kind of know how you should take care of yourself, but it didn't delve any deeper into what I really needed and what I ended up receiving um, later on. So we have the difference between empathy and compassion, and that will lead us into the difference between empathy fatigue and compassion fatigue. So empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. So the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes, essentially. So or when- just one shoe. Yeah. Or, or both, depending on. There was an earlier episode where I was just like, put yourself in their shoes. Oh. And I was like, just one, not the other. Well, <laughs> to really get, yeah, all of it, just one. That's just fine. One shoe. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so we can all have that empathy feeling. Yeah. I think that as dispatchers, we can we really take that on um, and really put yourself in that person's position when they can when they're calling in 911 or even on a non-emergent line. So compassion is um, the definition that I'm going to use is from this class that I went to. So compassion is recognize that they're suffering you have empathy for that suffering, and then you have the motivation to want to relieve that suffering, and then being able to do something to relieve that suffering. Mm -hmm. So compassion involves empathy. So, and compassion is to suffer with someone. So it's kind of like empathy, but a little bit different. So having empathy fatigue is being, having so much going on where you're, um, you're with that person and you're suffering right along with them mm -hmm. all the time, that's our entire job. 
I am suffering with you for 10 hours a day dealing with people who have all kinds of issues, crises in their lives, whatever's going on. So when I pour myself into this job for 40 hours a week, I become really drained pretty easily versus compassion, which is knowing that someone is suffering and then having that that empathy to know that they are suffering and then wanting to do something with it. So compassion, you should look at it like it's limitless. You will always be able, hopefully, to want to do something, but to have this empathy fatigue is just having all of suffering with someone else all of the time. So compassion is always wanting to be able to help someone else, which is what our job is, Mm -hmm. I think. whether we're getting paid or out of the kindness of our heart wanting to help someone and we that will be limitless 40 hours a week you will get my limitless compassion 40 hours a week with my empathy i can go home drained and tired and i don't want to talk to anyone um i when i get home i'm you know it's quiet I talk to my dogs, that's totally different, but um, Mm -hmm. having conversations, going out with friends, that's something that I really have to get ready to do, like I have to work myself up to be able to do that. I'm also an introvert, so that's another layer of things. It's own battle. Yeah, it's own thing, Um, but that's what I have to, to get ready to do. So that's the difference between compassion fatigue and empathy fatigue. Do you have any questions around that? I do not. No. Okay, great. I would have interrupted you. Like, I have a question. Oh, I was like, you would have? <laughs> <laughs> I interrupted myself, losing my train of thought. So how, why do we get fatigued? Empathied fatigued. Lots of reasons. One that I just told you about, I'm pouring my heart and soul into everything that I do um, 40 hours a week. And it's not just, I want to go back and, I'm not just, uh, having empathy for my callers and my field units, but I have empathy for my coworkers. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk, we have home lives, so we have to talk about what's going on. So I get to hear about that and how can I help them? And so it's not just we're in a bubble for 40 hours a week talking on the phone. It's having these relationships with our coworkers that we need to be fostering and growing because we are with them so much. Um, so there's that. We don't know the outcome for our calls. I don't, with the exception of that really crappy call. Um, (laughs) I I talk too quietly for it to pick up. Um, We don't know the outcome. And like our previous podcast, depending on where this falls, with Chief Tyser, we don't know. They, field units know right away. Sometimes I can find out... um, a little bit more when the ambulances talk to the hospitals because we can hear that on our radios. Yeah. Um, sometimes I they call in and I get to ask them. Sometimes I have to ask them to call in so I can ask them questions, but I don't know what happens unless it's something major and I know that someone has either passed away or they say it on the radio. So I have to deal with that on a daily basis. The other thing is we don't deal in good times yeah we only get to see the 
bad side of life, unfortunately. The end of it, the major traumatic effects of something, we've signed up for that, but how am I supposed to deal with that? Again, I wasn't taught when I got hired how to deal with these things, so unfortunately I've had to make my way through and learn how to deal with them. Um, but that's another another issue. So um, we will talk about it in another episode, but the prevalence of PTSD and depression is four to five times greater in 911 than in the general population. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that's so low. Only, only four to five times? I mean, with everything that we deal with every single day, it's mm-hmm. more than your average person. Yeah. I mean, not to say that what people go through with themselves isn't traumatic, but like we're constantly dealing with different different types of trauma not just right. one type of trauma it's like met, like yes i'm just i'm just surprised that it's mm-hmm. not like 100 of dispatchers have <laughs> <PTSD>. <laughs> and yeah they they wouldn't but i i would be interested in actually i think there might be something here and this is um from a study done by dr michelle lily and i will yeah. let you link that yeah that's fine. um what if if 100%, if 80% of some of people have had something, um, even if it's mild, mm-hmm. you know, come up. So, uh, so other reasons why we can get fatigued is just being exposed to those traumatic calls, working in a high-pressure environment with little downtime between those stressful calls. I remember when I was pre- – I think I was in training, and I talked to a suicidal person, and – hung up the phone, and of course this has happened other times, um, but it sticks out the most in my mind. Hang up the phone, and the next call comes in, and you have to switch from I'm helping someone work through their feelings of wanting to kill themselves to I don't even remember what the next call was, but how I have to immediately shift my train of thought in between those calls. Um, We already talked about inadequate debriefing after stressful calls, and then um, being exposed to verbally aggressive callers. Uh, unfortunately, now we have a different tone of calls from people all across the country yeah. um, for different things. And then uh, this may not be true for me, but this is part of that um, study, lack of support from leadership. And to me, that goes back into debriefs and checking in like status checks on your employees yeah. and then also having inappropriate training for men- mental health related types of calls. So um, early on in my career, I think that's like 100% like sick, sick, yep, yep, that's affecting me. And so mental health wise and then on the physical health side, we have shift work. I work noon to 10 right now, but I've worked day shift. I'll go back to day shift. I could work... Um, night shift just based on what's going on and sick calls and things like that so um having that to be part of our of our daily routine this mentions here outdated or um, ergonomically unfit equipment i think we're pretty lucky we have some pretty good equipment but it could definitely affect someone um lack of physical activity poor nutrition Physically confining and isolating workspaces, especially right now since we can't have anyone up into the center yeah. to visit. Literally stuck at our room. Yeah, we have each other, and luckily we keep each other entertained. 
for the most part. Yeah, and we haven't strangled each other yet. So that is good. Super promising. Yeah. Mm, keep that up. Um, let's see. Inadequate breaks. I don't take breaks the way I'm supposed to. And I don't either. And I, 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 I go to the bathroom and then I come back. Yeah. And yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things where it's like I don't want to burden my partners by right. not being there. Right. And that extra person to take that phone call in case it, right. we get three at the same time. Yeah. So. So we're just like. Um, I don't know what regulation. We get two 15-minute breaks. If I take like six minutes to heat up my food, so it's like a little like food and then a bathroom break, I feel bad. It's like, oh my gosh, I've been gone for six and a half minutes. I'm so sorry. Yeah. But I, I don't take the that opportunity to go and walk around, you know, really walk around or go outside and see the sun. Sun's apparently good for you. Yeah, you, apparently it's up for like a lot of hours during this time <laughs> of the year, and I should go and let it like let it hit me for a little bit. You're from Alaska, the winter time. Where you have no sun. That's true. Sorry, Alaska. We could still go outside and get some fresh air. Frigid cold. If anyone from Alaska is listening to this, will you let us know? Yeah, what do you, you do for your mental health? Yeah. That seems not fun. Do you use those lights? Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, so get outside. We don't do that very much. Um, don't take enough breaks. We, and then we work in an environment where there's a lot of sounds, um, all kinds of sounds. The nine one ones ringing, um, our CCIC coming in, the calls dropping, us talking. I know that sometimes I feel really bad when uh, you're on the phone, everyone else is over here talking and being loud and stuff. It's like. Have to be considerate of our partner, so we have all of this yeah. external stuff coming in. Our radios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yelling at us and. Going back to our talk with Chief Tyser, he did say he's just like if all the noise. He what did mm-hmm. he say? The words he said like overwhelming or overstimulating. Yeah. That's what he said it was. He's overstimulated like all the noise that's going on. Yeah. And when I get in there, like, I don't think it's a lot of noise, but I think it's just because we've grown accustomed right. to of the. There's always something. Yeah. And when there's nothing. You're just kind of like on the edge of your seat, like, <laughs> or someone hasn't. It's been so quiet and no one's talked for like five minutes. It's like, hey guys, yeah, anybody? Yeah. Hello. Yeah, the other day, Erica and I were like, how long is this gonna last? Yeah. Who's gonna be the first one to talk? <laughs> <laughs> and it was me. <laughs> uh, she, right. yeah, she <laughs> lost the game or you won the game. I don't know. Um, I didn't get a prize, so I think darn I lost. It. Okay, yeah, <laughs> bummer. Um, but it's funny too the. I can be totally fine in our dispatch environment. Sound, 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 sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm even okay. Like some of my partners have said they go home and they don't even, I've done this sometimes, but your car ride home, you're completely, it's completely quiet. No music, no nothing. Oh, that sounds awful. It is sometimes, but some. sometimes you just need quiet. Just silence. Sometimes when I'm watching TV, I feel like the, People, I don't know if the volume's too loud or something. I can't handle what they're saying. Like, I just want them to be quiet. And I want to watch you, but don't talk. Yeah, can you, can you talk a little quieter? It's, I don't know if it's the day that I've had, whatnot, all that coming in. So, um, so with all of that, knowing that we can get that, this empathy fatigue, this compassion fatigue, this PTSD, any other kind of mental health issues, what, sorry, what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. What 
should I do about it? Um, oh, actually, let me go back to two things. So talking about empathy fatigue, we can also have empathic stress where it's complete overwhelm of your empathy um, response. So thinking about, this is July of 2020, we've been dealing with a pandemic. There are, there's civil unrest, a lot of things changing in our environment kind of with, you know, police and feelings towards them. You can have a point where you see all of this and just stop, give up, hands up. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to um, feel. Um, I was talking about this earlier with Sammy. I watched too much news. And um, seeing whatever I see on the news and think, okay, I don't know how to handle this anymore. And that's just that's empathic distress or like, I, I don't even know what to say to you. Or an example of um, a coworker's family member passing away and not knowing what to say to them because you're just like, I, I don't deal with death very well. You're in the wrong job if you do. Um, but like, what should I say to them? That's empathic distress or like, I just don't know what to do. Yeah. So that's something that we can, um, that we have to deal with too here. And empathy, putting yourself in the in other people's shoes. Um, I'd have to find it, but I had a teacher that was talking to me about how our brains, the neur- at the neuron level, put ourselves in other people's shoes. So she said, if you if someone's saying, telling you I um, a story about getting hit with a baseball bat, and like, oh, this person came up to me and they swung really hard and they they hit my shoulder and now my shoulder is dislocated and going on and on your brain, your neurons are imagining yourself getting hit with a baseball bat. So think about, again, going back to what we do for 10 hours. Yeah. My mom is sick and I don't know what to do and she's not breathing. Now my mom is sick and she is sick and not breathing and I, I know what to do and now I have to help you. So 10 hours a day of having this... Um, cellular level response yeah. is overwhelming for us. So now what can we do? We've talked about eating right, sleeping well, getting exercise, great things. That's all you need. That's all you need. Obviously. Yeah, no. I don't, I don't know why anyone would think anything else. <laughs> that's, the, that's what we should be doing as humans to survive. That's what like I was about to say. just bare minimum. Yeah, basic bare minimum. So I took this class. This was actually going to be my last thing, but all of these other things um, uh, delve into this. I took a class called Compassion Cultivation Training, and um, it really helped me deal with my feelings and taught me a lot of things that I have never, ever heard um, about. So what it is, is an eight-week program that was developed at Stanford with insights and techniques for, what did I write? Insights and techniques. Um, yeah, but what's that word? Anyway, <laughs> it involves psychology, neuroscience, contemplative practices, and it integrates evidence-based meditation, um, 
and, and evidence-based meditation techniques, interactive discussions and lectures, as well as real world exercises. So when this is the class that the psychologist told me about, and I was like, yes, this sounds great. For some reason, my brain skips the meditation part. And when I got there and we, you meditate, you meditate every class. It's a two hour class, um, again, for eight weeks. And the first time I did it, I was like, are we gonna, are we almost done with this meditation thing? And then as we talked more about it, I was like, oh, we're meditating all the time. That's what this is. This, I, I signed up for a meditation class, and I, I don't know if I forgot about it. It had been, you know, a few weeks between signing up and actually taking it. But it literally, and I don't use that word very often, so. Like literally. Like literally changed my life. It made me fall in love with is my job again. Literally or actually? Literally. I fell in love with my job again. I... It made me have a different view on the world. It helped me interact with my loved ones, my coworkers, the citizens that I get to deal with every day in a different way. And it changed my life. And it changed my life so much that I decided to become a CCT instructor and had the opportunity to instruct. And help other people. Yes. And love meditating. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure that they do it every day still, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, good. I, Obviously. I assume that, too. So the things that we can do in besides sleeping, eating, <laughs> exercising, because you all need to do that anyway, is meditate, have some mindfulness every day, um, acknowledge the feelings that you're having, because that was something that I didn't do. I would take in the anger from citizens that didn't like what I was doing and try and push them to the side and get through the day. But if I can acknowledge that I'm upset with someone or they perturbed me more than I wanted and I can acknowledge that and work through it and then let it go, mm -hmm. I'm able to get on with my day a little bit easier. Not to say that I'm, I'm like, yes, uh -huh, I am angry. And I move on. I can, I'm like, D oh, you made me so angry. Okay, I'm angry. I'm angry. Okay, I understand why I'm angry. And now I can move on and be a better partner than mm -hmm. just stuffing it down. Um, understanding that uh, we can rewire our brain and really stay with a positive experience and reflect back on that positive experience to make it um, more meaningful to us. Even when we just think about a positive experience, mm -hmm. it helps us um, be happier. So that's super helpful. We can do some self-soothing self techniques, some simple stretches, journaling, which I will do super infrequently. But it's super helpful. Yeah. No, I'm not laughing at no, I'm, I'm just... No, I, I, even if you were, that's fine. Be she has a diary, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's called a journal. Um, so high school. I don't, I, I don't do it very often because, well, you, can, you, can't, you can't see, but Sammy can see my notes. I can't. can't I can't. Well, same with your like. My writing's fine. If, <laughs> like, to be fair. Um, it's easier for me to, and this is why I probably should journal more. I, I sit with my th like just thinking, 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 thinking yeah. all the time, and 
if I put when I put it down on paper, I'm able to let it go. So I have insomnia too, and my problem with falling asleep is I think about like as soon as I get into bed I'm like okay now what did I do wrong today (laughs) what um you know all those things what worries pop up but when I write down my worries I can fall asleep so much easier than if I don't so if I take the time to journal I'm able to fall asleep better or work through like the other couple weeks ago, I was super mad at work, and I was, like, in my car, like, <laughs> furiously writing, and then I went back into work, and I was super fine. Huh. Super fine. So. Like, literally super fine. Super. And I think I mentioned it briefly, but having, uh, thinking about positivity and happiness in a different way, and um, there's a book that I'm reading called Positivity by Barbara Fredrickson, and um, taking notes, like, I'm in in school, like, mm-hmm, this is great. Are you writing in the book? No, no. Oh, it's, it's a oh, library. It's a Kindle. It's, wait, no, it's a library book. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Could <gasps> be buying another library I would. Maybe I should just buy it from them. Yeah. That'd be fine. So those are the things that, that I have found helpful. Again, with CCT being the catalyst for these changes, CCT brings up these other things. Again, meditation every day at least once a week during those classes. Um, Journaling, positivity, happiness, and one of the things that I really liked was common humanity. And it's funny thinking about it because we are, we think about ourselves as individuals, obviously, but when you can put it in the context of something happening and multiple people are feeling this way, it can really ease your mind. So when I get angry or I'm uh, sad about something, if I think just like me, someone else is having the same feeling right now, it gives me comfort knowing that I'm not the only one going through it and helps me work through it. Yeah. 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 So... That's all I have. That's it? Dang. <laughs> okay. What else would you like me to... Um, I mean, I think I just... I think I just want to say that, like... Yeah, we're just... We're over the... We're not just over the phone, but we're talking to you. We hear what's going on. We can, like, see with our ears. That's what... Thank you. Auditory memory. Oh. Yes. <laughs> go oh no that's it that's what I mean that's what it's called like we have this auditory memory and that's the only thing that how we can process what's going on I've talked about I have a really vivid imagination I love to read I just said I worry all the time so when you tell me something is going on like I have this mental picture that is super vivid and then that's how I also deal with the um the outcome I make up the outcome. And it's usually really bad because that is the world that I deal in. I mean, but what we heard was really bad, so why would we think that it was a good ending? (laughs) Because that one time. That one time. But yes, to have the auditory memory of of the crappy call that I had that I talked about at the beginning, um, like I'm on the verge of almost getting teary-eyed and I don't cry so that's 
that's how much it affects yeah. you, you know, to have this the sound that doesn't ever fade. Right. Yeah. But what were you thinking? I, I, I mean, like, kind of the same lines of, like, our imaginations are probably so much worse. Or, like, maybe not so much worse but like when you're when someone's calling in like there's blood everywhere he's just bleeding he's dying or whatever the situation is i'm literally imagining blood everywhere oh yeah like our imaginations i feel like are so extreme yes and it's i mean when it's if you were to get a call from your mom saying like this happens like it's so crazy like what you're imagining most of the time is much worse than what's actually going on Mm mm-hmm just, that's just the way our imaginations work. They, they go oh, on. Oh, yeah, on and on and on. Yeah, so I think, like, that's also what affects us, too, is that the, what we're picturing in our heads may not be as severe, not that it's not severe about what's going on, but, like, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yes, well, yes, to me, it makes perfect okay. sense. Okay. So, here's... Like, not to, like, cut down on what's actually going on. What's going no. on is severe, but I think what we picture is also significantly worse 100% worst case scenario yeah like and always, always 150% that's not mathematically possible but yeah we're there I've told you the story about when someone called in and said um there's blood everywhere like and there's in this hotel room yeah. and the officers so in my head it's murder scene yeah every, someone exploded and it's <laughs> and it's everywhere like gore yeah. so, no. on the ceiling dripping down they get there there are two streaks of blood that like someone had a bloody nose and it was like, oops, I touched the wall. Blood everywhere versus on the wall. Yeah. And then my other example is the truck that was in water mm-hmm. up off a of, near Walmart, North Walmart. And we always ask if a car like goes off like by in the river or something, like is the car in the water? So we know if we have to send a dive rescue. And somehow we asked it wasn't me but we asked this oh, I, I and really and they said something about water and the per, the dispatch was like oh is the car in water and they're like yeah it's it's in water so we sent a dive rescue up there when we're thinking that's weird like what, what? body of water yeah. is up there you think you know the walmart up at 287 and they they get there and it was fine but the next thing in the newspaper there was a a tire in a puddle of mud so it was in just like in two inches of water, but to the yeah. that citizen, it was in water. Right. So like to they, us, they, it was in water. They weren't right. lying. But yeah, I think it's also like that thing is like we're always expecting worst case scenarios. Yes. When we ask these questions, and people are like, they I don't think they understand what we mean, and so right. like maybe that's where we could have been like, is it like in <laughs> water, like engulfed in water? Right. Like what type? What do you? Like, but yeah. again, it's 911. We don't have time right. to sit there and really pick apart, like, what exactly do you mean yes. by this? Yes, and that's the first time that it's ever been a puddle versus in a lake or a river. Like. Yeah, so you wouldn't, so now we've learned <laughs> that you asked, you know, what does this mean, but yeah. before then. Yeah, so that's just where I was going with it, which is like, what we imagine is so much worse, and then we take another call, and then, I mean, it's probably unhealthy, so don't do this, but like, push it for push it to the side because you have to move on and keep doing your job right and then you come back to it when you're at home or whatever and you're like i don't know what happened with that right i don't know what happened with that blood exploded Mm -hmm. 
hotel room. <laughs> right. <laughs> the bloody nose. Yeah. Um, which then to, is to say to work through those feelings and ask for help if you need it. Dispatcher or not, if you feel like you need something, um, you need help at any point, um, ask for help because I'd rather someone ask for help and get it yeah. and then, then not. And yeah. I'm trying to find a picture of a screenshot that I found this morning. I thought it was so timely. It was the suicide awareness phone number, which is 1-800-273-8255. And I... I Googled the number, too, because I was like, what if it's not the number and someone's just messing around? Yeah, and being yeah, yeah. So I did, and it took me to the, um, you can text, too. And so what's neat is it's not just suicide, um, suicidal feelings that you can have to call this number or text it. You can um, just be feeling anxious, not just, but um, you can be feeling anxious. You could be having problems with, um, I think it said, sexuality, food disorders, a whole list of things that you can get help with. So there's that number. Yeah, just like overall mental health. Yeah. Just take care of yourself. Just, yeah. Um, I don't know when this is going to come out, but we took time off from posting in July. Um, Posting like podcast episodes, and we're currently in July, so obviously we're, we're recording for the future, but... We are just kind of taking a bit of a break from, I think, the media. Yeah. Because it's with compassion, or I'm sorry, empathy fatigue. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that we're dealing with, especially with our jobs and related, it's it's weighing us down. Yeah. And it's hard. And not that we don't take 911 education seriously. We just felt the need to take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. and you guys need to take care of yourselves too because yes. what we're going through is a lot and it's a lot for a lot of people it's a lot it should be a lot for everybody honestly right. if you have a heart it should be a lot for you for yeah. everything that's going on so that's all i'm going to say and two kidneys maybe but um was this this episode or last episode i talked about kidneys i feel like it's this one but i don't remember now <laughs> <laughs> either way but that's that's all i wanted to say about that too yeah that's good. Yeah. No, I think that it's appropriate because there are other things that people may be worried about too, and they nine one one learning about nine one one might not be on the top of their list when there are other things going on that they have to right exactly. To take, and we understand that. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna keep putting out episodes and trying to say, hey, you should only pay attention to nine one one education when I know there's so many other things that people right. should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I don't want to divert any attention from that. Mm-hmm. Along with mental health, because yes. it's draining. It's been draining lately. Yes. Yeah. All right. That's really all I have. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe on all of the platforms that we're on now. You'll figure it out eventually. Uh, like us on Facebook at Loveland Emergency Communication Center, and then we are also on Instagram at How to Nine One One Podcast. You can email us anything. Not anything. You can email us questions that you have or, like, if you want to say hi, you know, nice things. If you want to say mean things, I guess you can do that, too, but that's not very kind. And especially with the episode we just talked about, I'd appreciate it if you didn't. 
because we already burden ourselves a lot. So just remember that the next time you're mean to somebody, <laughs> you don't know what they're going through. That's true. Anyways, but um, so email us at howto911fcityofloveland.org. And then uh, next time, I think, ooh, I don't remember what we're going to talk about. Um, until then, know where you are, know your phone number, and tell us exactly what happened. I feel like it's really hyping us up. Are you, okay, are you gonna introduce this? You just, I'm just thinking. Oh, uh, um, no, I like I totally can. I'll do it since you're